Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. We are a podcast that looks at iRacing from a hobbyist point of view. So what you should be doing, what series you should be joining, how to get better. Don't worry. It won't be me telling you how to get better. I'm just your host, Richard Spanners Ready. I'm joined by someone who also isn't going to make you any faster. Matt, two rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Uh, going fine, thanks. I might not make you faster, but I will talk a lot at least. Yeah, it fills airtime, doesn't it? And I accidentally flicked over to our expert racer for the day. It is a Dory, Dorian Tabachnik. How's it going, sir? Hello, Lord. It's the first time you ever said my last name correctly. Is Good that job. okay? Is it a secret? It's <laughs> not perfect. Tabachnik. Nobody ever says it Sweet. right. Everybody's I always um, call me Tabachnik. Oh, really? I'm, I'm very particular about saying people's surnames correctly, especially nice. like the likes of Leclerc and all that kind of thing. It's just the kind <laughs> of thing I do. Uh, but Dory, you are a YouTuber and you are still making YouTube videos, giving us advice and track guides. And you've hit a big milestone. You are now part of the, the big 5K club. Yeah, I'm part of the elite now, the NASA of sim racing, <laughs> <laughs> basically an astronaut. So what does that mean to you to get to 5K? Well, uh, the number itself doesn't really mean anything, but the process was uh, was very mean- meaningful because I thought it would be a lot harder than it was. It went pretty smoothly. I always put that as some sort of a, I always put that number or you know that area on some sort of pedestal and uh, I realized I wasn't that far from it. So Brad has often said to like me and Matt and like he said, uh, well, I don't understand how people don't accidentally get up to 4K and 5K. Uh, how did you, how did you find the process? Did you have to kind of actively try to get to 4 5K or was it something that came naturally through you know your skills? Well, I- I had to filter out the races where I knew I wouldn't be doing that well. So I had to focus on the ones that I knew that I will be uh, extra competitive yeah. on. And that kind of made it uh, a lot easier. If, if I were kept doing the, the, the usual nonsense <laughs> where I'll jump into an MX-5 race and then to a Porsche yeah. Cup race, then to a P2 race would have taken me a lot longer. Still be possible, but would have taken a lot longer than that. As you got closer, did you also start looking at where the highest strength of fields were uh, when picking races? Or was it just solely, this is where I think I have the best chance of like finishing in a podium position, for example? 
5K is usually not the point. Like you're you're still a pleb in the eyes of the esports guys when you're 5K. <laughs> oh no. So so there there's still ways to go. When you reach 7K, six and a half, that's where we really start gonna start start. You really gotta start thinking about you know wh- which. Uh, hours are best for uh, you know higher strength of fields hang on a minute you're getting a bit of trolling a bit of trolling from uh yanis who i think is one of yours and says dorian farmed gt3 fix was that (laughs) absolutely true explain i'm I'm still farming gt3 fix see the problem is in top split in iRacing is that we talked about last time the uber setups the hyperdogs the setups there are just way 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 faster than any pace setup you can buy or pro- most people can make on their own hacker yeah so, hacker yeah. Sounds. So, <laughs> so i stick to the fixed series where none of that can apply and if you if you got podium it's because you earned it and not not because you're yeah. using something op i think we did whinge about this enough last time you were on but i feel like because they've not policed that they've they've had this evolution where people are just going to start gravitating towards these fixed setup series because that's that's the one they know and frankly it's easier so so as long as okay so as long as it's not like it is at was is at Alton Park this week in the F3 I think we're all happy H- have you partaken in any Alton Park with the chicanes in F3 I have not I'm okay. terrified it's awful oh my god like Matt I don't know if you've done any of it I jumped on on Tuesday Alton Park to me isn't like you know a, a headline F3 track anyway when, if I was going to put together an F3 series, Alton Park would never, ever feature on that. But they have these votes, and I guess there's some Alton Park specialists. And they even ran, Matt, with the chicane version as well to make it even more not an F3 track. And it was just awful. It was unenjoyable. It was hotter than the sun. And the iRacing setup this time just happened to be quite understeery too. And and any punishment, any uh, off track just sucked you into a wall. I just went, ah. Oh, I just parked it. I crashed. I took my 24th place or whatever. And I said, oh, I'm not going back. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned that because I actually got on because iRacing now has the fixed setup. I realized that, oh, I can practice before a Monday when the other setups are available. And I jumped on and I hated the iRacing setup this week. I, I, I went to a variation of the setup we use for the Barcelona race and was much, much quicker at the same temperature oh. with it. So this is, I feel like this is the first time they've kind of missed the boat. It, it was unstable, easy to crash, and just not as fast. So I, I was thinking I would do a race because actually I'm, I, I felt like I was reasonably quick, but then I had work yesterday, so I couldn't get on. This is why you have a live chat, Dory. Uh, Jerome says F3 has to have a certain number of free tracks and i didn't realize that but you know you've got some better free tracks haven't you than the Norton park like okuyama's not on the schedule this year yeah but i think the past two seasons we had okuyama we had uh laguna seca yeah we had a bunch of the really good free tracks so you know alton park is just and it has to get into rotation at some point okay fine Fine. Fine. I'll take it on <laughs> I'll take it on the chin, but it was awful and I'm just I'm not doing it. I'm really gutted because I missed Hockenheim. I wanted to try that, but we were in the midst of our missed apex round five, which I'll talk about a bit later. We've got quite a few things we want to talk about here today. Oh, I think Dory's gonna talk a bit about coaching. He's gonna give us a bit of a primer on how to survive the spa twenty-four, which is in just a week and a little bit. We've got our first training session for it tonight. 
which is Tuesday the 15th. And we'll be practicing loads next week because I've got absolutely no idea how a 24-hour race works. I want to see if Dory's got hold of, uh, got a grasp of the, the Formula V as well. But let's start with a chat room question that's just uh, popped in. Somebody has asked about telemetry. Can't find it now. Does Dory analyze his telemetry to improve lap times? Oh, that was Jerome as well. Do you use the lap charts and the graphs and who do you compare yourself to? Uh, not as much as I should, really. If I'll use it consistently, I'll, I'll find more time, I believe. It's, it's, a, very, it's a great tool. But uh, it's just force of habit. I just don't go there. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to find the time on the track. Instead, instead of doing 10 laps and then analyzing them, comparing them and doing another 10 laps, which is what you should do, I just do 50 laps. And that's, that's how I get better. But I definitely recommend it when I'm coaching specifically. So I've got a couple of people that I will compare myself to within our group. So I know Kyle Power's got a very similar driving style to me. And then we've got a lad, Danny Henny, who's one of our very quickest guys. So on because we you don't like the VRS telemetry, do you? But we insist on people having it on during our event. I'm, I'm using a different platform called United Racing Data. Ah, It's uh, it's free. And uh, my buddy made it, so I'm kind of <laughs> helping uh, build it. I might go check uh, that out. Yeah, it works on all racing sims. I'm just going to plug it. Do Don't it. mind me. Do it. No, that's fine. Yeah, so it works on all racing sims. It's currently free, and it's going to be on console soon, so you'll be able to do it with Gran Turismo even. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It gives you all the tools that you need to compare and build setups and whatever. Oh, what an exciting thing to be kind of on the ground floor of. But what I found initially when I started using it, I don't, Matt, you're probably the same. Like, you, you look at where did you break into Lacombe or whatever, and you go, wow, A, the, the say, like, Kyle, is break, there's a 50-meter difference or whatever in the breaking. <laughs> and also, it's the other way. I'd assumed I was breaking too late, actually. He's dragging it all the way down the Kenwell straight. Uh, but I found that that has got less and less. So now, increasingly, as I look at Kyle's, because I've got into the habits of going, well, Kyle does that, well, I'll copy that. Now I look at it, and it's, it's pretty similar. Like, at least, you know, I'm not just miles off or doing, you know, a hard break instead of a drag break. So it's really helped me. Yeah, it can be very, very helpful. I, I always find it frustrating uh, just uh, in terms of the layout because you can see, oh, they break here and I break here. But there's not a visual reference on the track for me to connect it to. So, like, in a way, it's like, okay, I can see they do this or that. But I can't really get a picture in my head of exactly how uh. much that distance is, if you catch my So, drift. on the VR, I don't know if you're using the VRS trace. It's not as good as Dory's mates app, I'm, I'm absolutely certain of. But on the VRS trace, you can literally see, oh, Kyle is breaking 20 meters ahead of me. So, wherever your breaking point was, you can, you can at least go, I'm breaking too early. And I found that really, really useful. Uh, before we get too deep into a, a telemetry chat tell us about your coaching dory so you've been offering actual coaching i can take money from my wallet and use it to go faster with the tabachnik expertise <laughs> the tabachnik method yeah <laughs> yeah it sounds like mm, sounds dodgy mm. that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well uh now recently people started approaching me i never thought about doing that but recently people started approaching me and asked if i could coach them and both in a league i'm doing and uh, some other people uh, around the world who watch my channel is like, uh, who like how I explain things and ask me if that's a possibility. Yeah. And the more I did it, the more I realized this is actually kind of fun to do. And if I can make a little bit of money out of it, which 
I'm I'm really doing to buy my girlfriend a wedding ring. So <gasps> I'm trying to, I'm trying to save up for that. And because she manages the funds in the house, I can't do it without her knowing. So I get I have to get you know outside income oh. to make that happen. But so, the, the the thing that I feel really bad now is that today's special guest is Dory's fiance. No, uh, no Dory. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you have to sneak money to to buy her something. That is that's lovely. And also, once that wedding ring's out of the way, it can be something that that just gets poured back into projects. That's true. That's true. To improve my channel, or you know, do other things, uh, better gear, or whatever. I like that we all immediately assume correctly that there's no way your fiance will ever hear that until you've accumulated <laughs> the money and bought her the ring. But look, this is an important thing to note. Once there's little kitty winkles on the way, you the the funds getting channeled into sim gear that kind of dries up. So you need to have a little bit of a slush fund, kids. Just warning you. Just warning you for the future. Um, <laughs> how have you found that though on the day to day? Because there are some people who are really responsive to coaching. And there's some people who have probably developed bad habits and find it really hard to get out of. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, first thing is, first thing I do in a coaching session is I try to manage the expectations. <laughs> I, I, I start with a little okay. questionnaire and I, I ask the person some questions regarding where, what does he think are his problems, he or her. Uh, what they think are their problems and where they want to be, what they think they need to improve on. Most people just say pace. And uh, a lot of people are wrong about that, by the way. Uh, most people's problems usually aren't pace because if you're not finishing races, I don't care what sort of lap times you're doing. Yeah. You, that's not your problem. But but uh, yeah, I, I start off with a questionnaire and then I explain how we'll go about it to where you'll start recording telemetry and we'll compare to mine and we'll get some baseline, and then I'll uh, I'll see where the real issues are, and I'll develop these exercises for them to do, whether it's you know with me on track in a session or on their own, and uh, try to you know help them get better from that. It's really interesting the ways in which people are slow. So when I did the AI thing, which, by the way, is, is a reasonable tool. I think if you've got an event coming up, stick some AI cars on there, just get used to being in traffic. But you can choose how on pace the AIs are. So you can give a range and say, right, you've got 30 cars, do them between 80% and alien. Or you can make them all rubbish. But what's really interesting is that the cars that are rubbish are not rubbish in the ways that humans are rubbish. They just go a bit slower out of the straights or carry less speed. Humans tend to be rubbish, I find, Dorian, because they will be out of shape in a corner or or break too early. But they're always flat on the power, you know, from corner to corner. So it's interesting to suddenly to sort of start picking apart the different ways in which people are slow. Yeah, everybody's got different issues. Some people uh, overlap their pedals a lot, which causes all sorts of problems. And that's a nasty habit to, for people to have. You're holding brake and throttle at the same time, whether oh. it be under braking, under acceleration, in the mid-corner. It's basically usually a result of fear. Uh, you're trying to create some sort of stability, by, and by doing that, you create other problems. Um, there's uh, people who uh, have a hard time knowing where they are on the track. They just don't know how far they are to the edge. They don't, how, they don't know how to leave enough space. They don't know how to maximize their track usage. Therefore, losing a lot of time and causing accidents. There's, yeah, there's quite a few problems. So, 
uh, when Brad decided to do uh, a rate your hot lap to help us raise funds for us for our series before we started charging an entry fee, he was getting people to send in a hot lap and then he would critique what they were doing and uh, go through it with a little voiceover. And he showed me all of them. And time and time again, it was, you're not using the track here. You're not using the track there. And that was the biggest thing, you know, just people aren't using the racetrack. But until you have a coach looking at you to show you where you could be gaining extra inches, you don't know. Yeah. And with a one-on-one session, when you really dedicate yourself to one person for whatever extended period of time, you, you, you can not only, you can, you know, both find a problem and find a way to fix it. So there's special exercises that I developed that really, really help with that. And within three or four laps, you know where you are in tracking, you start maximizing your uh, track mm-hmm. usage. Yeah, I like the idea of little skills and drills. One thing Brad had me doing was fly down a straight and then break all the way to find the locking point, like get to the locking point and then come off it and then try to, this is one of the biggest things I had to learn early on, is that the amount of brake force you need to get to the locking point changes throughout the corner. And I just never realized that. So just trying to stay at the point of locking all the way down till you stop is a fascinating exercise as well. That's a great exercise. I do something similar where I'll do that with uh, with a graph that's showing your pedal inputs that's right in front of you to create uh, to create muscle memory. Mm. So I'll tell you to peak at eighty percent, gradually release to ten percent, and then smoothly reduce it to ten to zero percent. So basically, if you do that thirty times, your 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 foot will actually remember. Where is that 10% every time? And you'll start doing that on the track easier. You won't have to concentrate on it. Oh, Matt, you're not allowed to have lessons with Dorian. I don't want you any faster. <laughs> Too late. You, wait, what? No, you're not signing up, are you, for DT lessons? I might. Uh, that actually, <laughs> I, I like that approach rather a lot. It, it tracks with what I feel would be most helpful to me in my current situation. Why don't you just start a podcast about iRacing and then make the topics of the show the particular thing you're struggling with? Well, that sounds like a clever idea. Hey, we'll put all of Dory's contact details in the show notes on YouTube and on the podcast, whatever you're listening to, your iPlayer or your Pocket Cast or whatever. We'll put all the details and links to get in touch with you there, Dory. But the thing I'm struggling with at the moment that I'm going to ask for your advice for for free and all <laughs> our listeners are going to benefit is uh, the Spa 24. Uh, the Spa 24 Hours GT3. I've not done anything like this ever. So... I I'm I don't know even what to ask. Luckily, Sam Labine uh, gave us a question, and he said, "Would it be possible for Dory to give us a primer on the? You say primer, don't you, Matt? A primer on the different systems in GT3 cars. Um, I know ABS and traction control are there, but I have no idea how to effectively use them and when they are activated, etc. Oh my God, I've not even thought of this. Is there extra things? Is there like an overtake button? Is there DRS? <laughs> like, is there- or do I just drive? Yeah, you're good. That you actually you only have those two systems. You have the ABS and you have traction control. And the way you use them is by not using them. Mm. In iRacing, unlike real life, you don't want to lean on the ABS. It burns up tires. In real life, I've t- I've spoken to real life GT3 drivers. They'll, uh, they they lean on the ABS all the time. They'll slam on the brakes, let the ABS do the work, and that'll be fine. In iRacing, that's the last thing you want to do. That You really want to try to avoid oh, that. No. How do I example. know when I'm getting near the lock point, though? Do I feel something? 
there's a vibration in the wheel. There's a little uh, vibration. And, and, that's the best imitation I have uh, for force feedback, by and the way. That's your ABS. That's the ABS telling you that, oh, I'm I'm now helping you and stopping yeah. you locking up. There's also for each car, there's a different uh, LED that will s- signal that as oh, well. Oh, okay. So I need to find out where that LED is, Matt. Yeah, you do. Uh, you want to know where that is and sort of have it out of the corner of your eye. And you know, it was easy uh, when we did the 919 because like the dashboard has all these little blue LEDs that start to light up as you hit that lock point. Yes, sir. Excellent. So what do I do? Do I just drive as if I don't have it? You drive as if you're trying actively trying to avoid it. So when uh, it's, it's the same technique as when Brad taught you with threshold braking. That's what you did. You were breaking on the threshold of locking the whole time. So you're doing the same thing effectively. You're you're breaking on the threshold of ABS kicking in the whole time. Now it's not the worst thing in the world if it lights up for a second or a millisecond, right? You just don't want to lean on it consistently at every breaking point because that will just cause the tire temps and the tire pressure to rise dramatically. The car won't turn in, and you're gonna have major issues with pace. Okay, so right. Okay, so I, I, if that light comes up, it's not the end of the world, but just try and avoid it. So that's a good tip. And is braking much different to the single seaters? Am I a bit more binary uh, with the GT3 car? Well, I would definitely focus more, even more on trail braking. So you trail brake with the F3s, but there's even a bigger emphasis on weight management. Remember, we spoke about oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That was we talked about ago. it the uh, last uh, podcast. So there's an even then. bigger, bigger, <laughs> bigger uh, emphasis on weight management with such a heavy car. It's 1,200 kilograms, I think, from that region. And uh, when it's front engine, then you really have to focus on, you know, smooth application of, of uh, wheel input on low-speed corners where it's mid-engine. We're going to be very smooth on high-speed corners to try to make sure that the car doesn't snap. Um, there, there's all these little kinks and uh, different things between the cars. So I would suggest basically two things if you're trying to prepare yourself for an endurance race. First thing is, whatever the track is right now, let's say it's Emola right now at VRS, Yes, go race it. I did, yeah. I had to go. I don't, I don't care if you don't know the track. Do uh, Be 10 seconds off pace. It doesn't matter. Just go race it, get used to the situation, get the nerves out, because by the time you reach the 24 hours, you'll be a lot more comfortable. Um, and the second thing is I forgot, and I'll remember that and <laughs> fill you in eventually. So I, I am quite glad that there is some punishment for leaning on the ABS. So I was kind of, I, I'm a li- I was a little bit kind of not nervous, but I wondered if people who struggled with braking would generally do better in these ABS systems. But actually... If you're if you're leaning on it, you're doing yourself some damage. So that's one worry out of my head. I still have to be good on the brakes. Yeah, I mean, it won't harm them as much as with a car that doesn't have ABS, but it will definitely impact their performance significantly. All right, and the other one is traction control that Sam mentioned. Does that mean I get mid-corner, then I just pin it and rip it? No, you should never use it. Never, ever. It cuts in pretty late anyways. So uh, you really want to actively avoid that. Sometimes well, the final corner at Emola comes to mind where you're just slamming on the curb and having to accelerate very hard uh, into the main straight at Emola. So uh, sometimes the ABS will, uh, the tracking control will kick in there and there's not a lot you can do about it and it's still the faster line. But 
in most situations, I would say 95%, you want to try to avoid it altogether. It can have a nasty habit of kicking in and causing you to crash where you wouldn't normally expect to if you're used to driving non-traction control cars. Most likely you will crash anyways. A lot of people think it's the traction control that, that's causing me to keep spinning and I'm not going to be able to save the car. Where in most situations, if you already got the back end kicked out that far out, then you're probably not going to be able to save. Maybe it would have been a different slide. Maybe it would have slid a bit differently, but still would have been a, a bad thing to happen. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. When I was first learning to drive with it, I would anticipate the car doing one thing, but then the traction control would catch and it would do the opposite. And so you would be pointed you'd have the wheel going entirely the wrong way to save whatever direction you are now headed in. Yeah, so the same uh, basic concept of slamming on both the brake and the throttle at the same time applies. If you feel out of control, just slam on both of them. Uh, so Sam in the chat asked, uh, should you disable them? You can adjust them in the car. No, because they're still there to save you when necessary. Uh, you want to use as little as possible when you're building a setup. The more advanced the setup is, the better it is, and uh, the less traction control and ABS you'll have to use, the better it is of, of you know producing grip. Uh, but uh, at some point, you're just gonna you're just gonna have to learn to live with the fact that it's there, and it's gonna kick in. You're gonna have to adjust to it. Oh, excellent! Right, okay, okay. I'm still terrified because I did exactly what you said, which was I went and did Imola in the GT3, 10 seconds off the pace, after I'd thrown my toys out of the pram about Alton Park. I was like, right, I don't need F3 anyway. So I went <laughs> and I went, right, what, what can I do? What can I do? And I had the, I've got the Mercedes GT3 car. Mm -hmm. uh, we've just agreed as a swarm, because we're, we're attacking a missed Apex swarm, we're attacking the Spa 24, that anyone who doesn't have a car, everybody get the Lamborghini so that most a lot of people have got the same car already and so we're gonna have a lot of lamborghinis in there matt i told him about that before the show and he went oh no 
I'm slower in those 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 kind of cars. I prefer the Mercedes and the the BMW. So how big a factor is it going to be? You know these different cars. And Matt, what what sort of gap are you talking about in pace between those cars? Um, you know, half half a second a lap easily. I mean, the for me, I found the Mercedes to be the fastest. I've raced it at Spa before, so I'm not surprised by that. The Audi, I'm close-ish with. And the BMW, I'm a little bit slower, but it's a lot more consistent. But it is, as you said before the show, incredibly boring to drive. <laughs> well, yeah. The, yeah. Is that what people tend to find, Dory? The BMW and the Mercs. I have found the Merc. It sounds gorgeous, but I just feel like I've got to stop basically out of the previous turn. I've got to start braking already. I actually find the brakes on the Merc pretty good. Uh, better than uh, the Porsche, for example. But I guess uh, you know yeah. different strokes. Um, yeah, if, if you want to, if you want to try to build consistency, consistency, you you do need to uh, try to focus on one or two cars. And if the front engine layout is working out for you better, Matt, that's great. But if you want to improve and become like a better GT3 driver, then you should you should take that out of your your mind and just drive anything they'll give you. And that that will just make you a better GT3 driver. Now, in terms of uh, the Lambo, I know exactly what how you you're, you feel because I love the Mercedes too. I, I really like the Mercedes and the way it handles. I like the rotation. I like the the little snappiness on the brakes that it gets sometimes. It allows you to over rotate the car when necessary, stuff like that. And but and uh, I find it very difficult to trust the Lambo. So sometimes oh. on high speed corners, the the back end will just snap, and I will have a, a hard time trying to figure out why. And uh, maybe that's sort of the same problem. I'm just guessing. Maybe it's that sort of the same problem you're having, and that because of that, it just causing you to drive slow, not because you're on the limit, because you're afraid that if you'll go into the limit, it'll just do something unpredictable. That's mid engines for you, but there's definitely ways to mitigate that if you try to break a little bit. Uh, uh, well. You drive the GT3s with the diff. The differential is everything. The timing on the downshift, basically, is everything. So okay. if you try to do that uh, uh, in, a, in a specific way, and I'll talk to you about it in private if you want, it'll, it'll be a lot easier for you to get grips on it. Okay, so the, the gearing and where I downshift is going to be vital. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, because you want that peak, uh, the the rear diff is going to give you peak rotation when, just when you downshift. So if if you want stability, you want to downshift earlier than your rotation point. If you want, if you're struggling with understeer, you want to downshift exactly when you're going to start to turn in the car. Oh, uh, this is a little bit. We had a conversation, I think, with Brad a little while back. Even in the F3s, we were saying once you got to say, say for example, the final hairpin at Okiyama, and you're going up that hill, and you're just trying to get that extra bite. If you save the final downshift for the apex and just downshift and just get yourself turned in and bit, is it something similar to that? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, but because you're running a much heavier car, it's not as nimble. It's, 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 it's always finding it much harder than you have to change direction. Then you really, there's an even bigger emphasis on it. So it's even more useful. Okay, here's the bit I'm really nervous about is the team element. So if I go and stuff it at Alton Park, I can go and have a paddy and no one cares. If I'd not told anyone, uh, no one needed to know just exactly how furious I was. It's uh, it's going to be a bit different. You've got a bit more responsibility to your teammates in a 24-hour race. So I will be taking it uh, nice and gently. So there's a few questions I've got about just the mechanics of how it works. But firstly, 
when you're in a team event, uh, Dorian, and you are more than welcome to come and join a, a Missed Apex Spa 24 team, well, what do you do with your pace? Obviously, I'm, I'm not sending gonna, it. You're sending it constantly yeah. every lap. Yeah. Because if I'm not going for a good position, then the whole 24 hours isn't worth it. I'd rather crash on the first lap than having to fight for a 12th position for 24 hours. And your teammates agree with this this policy? I, I don't care. That's their problem. <laughs> well, but, you know what? We have, <laughs> we have quite a lot of win or bin people who would probably go, yeah, let's roll the dice. Let's have a quick Dory who doesn't care. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm being too, uh, yeah, I, I'm not that aggressive. I will take it down a notch. But I'll do my best to be competitive throughout my stint. And uh, for that, I'll do a hell of a lot of practice. So I'll do three, 400 laps before an endurance race. So I'll be comfortable where I'm at. So if, uh, let's say race pace, I need to, uh, I'm just throwing a number out there that I think is appropriate. I think a 218 for spa. I want to be a 218. That means that if I'm pushing, I'm at 217s. If the race pace is 218, I need to be at 217s when I need it like that. That means the 218 is just easy mode. So if you want to catch someone or you need to hold a gap, you go right into quality mode. Yeah, because eventually I want to save tires. I want to double or triple stint, right? I want to, I want to stay on the tires for as long as possible without having to replace them. I want to save fuel potentially, maybe. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. All right, I've got some real noob questions here. Okay, stand yeah. in. Like, you're just about to realize how little I know about <laughs> the spot. Is this your first endurance race? Yeah, yeah, this is my oh, first. Oh, that's sweet. My you're general... going to crash on T1. <laughs> I know, I'm so frightened of that. I was set to do the Daytona 24. I'd done way not enough practice for that. So do you remember they had all the problems launching the servers? That took it out the window that I could do it. And I was so relieved. I was so relieved because I thought, was I on your team, Matt? I just thought, I'm just going to stuff it and I'm going to ruin the race for you. Yeah, yeah. But that is the way to get into endurance racing. The first race I ever did, they're like, here, it's Le Mans 24. You're in the <laughs> fastest car. Why don't you start the race for us? No, I'm not, I won't be doing that. I won't be starting the races. So, yes, this is very much my first. So, for example, like, okay, how long does a, your tires last? How long do does a tank of fuel last? So in my one stint, which is going to be what, like an hour? How does it work? Am I going to have to fuel in that hour? No, you have enough fuel. You start with roughly 120 liters, which I don't know how much that is in gallons. But no you start one does. Roughly, yeah, no one does. Yeah. Uh, 120 liters should last you to around an hour, an hour and a little bit. And uh, so that means if you're just doing one stint, all you have to do is get out of pits, go for an hour and return to the pits. There's nothing in for you. Um, re- regarding tires, that's really, really uh, different from one driver to another, the driving style, mm. how far. If you're smooth, you can be very fast while saving tires. If you're not smooth, it doesn't matter what your pace is, you're going to burn them up. I'm smooth and slow. So I could be ah, really... That's really good for tires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just don't push at all. Um, yeah. The best way to be competitive in endurance races, races is strategy. So even if you're a second off base and you're split, not mm. off the alien space, the, in your split, but you have the strategy down, you're double stinting your tires, potentially even triple stinting the tires, three hours on the same tires. Really? You're in, yeah. Uh-huh. You're not swapping drivers every two seconds. You just let one guy do the work and be consistent. That's going to be much better later on in the race than having a guy like me pushing it, putting it in the wall, repairing the car, pushing it again. You know, so 
It differs. What do you like to do, Matt, when it comes to stints? Because an hour seems like a really long time anyway. I I can't see me doing double, triple stints. I'm just, I'd need a stadium pal idea. You know, I don't have the bladder for it. Usually your ideal strategy is to double stint and that that will go along with the tires until you get to, say, late morning and beyond where the temperatures start to get up into the 40s. Then you might have to change tires every stint. But in the past, usually what we do is we would double stint the driver, double stint the tires, and that way you save time on the driver change. So I think each thing you do extracts a cost. You can't change tires and fuel at the same time. So if you change tires, that's longer in the pits. If you change driver, that's also an extra time penalty in the pits. Okay, so I'm going to do a double stint. In, I'm holding first position for our team. I, I, in that double stint, I will need to refuel maybe one time. So I'm coming one in one time and I've kept my tires gleaming. They've still got the little shiny exterior on them. How long does it take to fuel up? I'm not entirely sure that's something you should test out, yeah, definitely. But um, it's practice. Uh, I do think, though, because things on that matter have changed a bit, that if you go for fuel and tires, the driver swap doesn't really cost you anything. Okay. I, 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 th- I think iRacing kind of realized that people are going to pass out behind a wheel at some point if they keep doing that with driver swap penalties yeah. because we're all a bunch of tryhards, right? We're trying to get the advantage. So they, they, they wanted for it not to be as much of a penalty or not at all. Not entirely sure. It's worth testing. Go in for an hour and then swap drivers and tires and fuel and see and do that again without swapping drivers and measure. And you'll be able to see what, what's what. The point of my question is, does it take so long to fuel that I can go for a pee and, and top up my vodka? It depends on how easy it is to get in and out of your rig. Yeah, I'm in a shed, so, so. you see. I've got to get in, in, out of the shed. Then I've got to avoid the wife asking me, oh, how's your thing going? Shut up, I don't know. I haven't got time. Got to get back to the race car. My team is depending on me. You're going to need a bucket. Yeah, I could just have a bucket or a stadium power nearby. <laughs> oh, the main thing for me, Matt, is just letting people down. But the Missed Apex Endurance community, I am led to understand, is very kind and caring and understanding. Yeah, they are, because we have all been in the position of spinning the car off the track, <laughs> putting it in the wall ending the race on lap seven. But I mean, at the end of the day, endurance racing, your best chance at doing well is simply not needing major repairs on the car. So simply don't crash and you'll probably be top 10 by the time you get to the end of the race. Okay. That will be really interesting tonight to see where the pace is and what I can do in those cars. Because my experience at Imola, it was just such a different, such a different feeling. Everything's kind of happening in slow motion, Dory. But also at the same time, there's new unexpected things that are happening at every yard through a corner that I'm not expecting. So, yeah, it's, it's slow and I don't have enough time to do the things all at the same time. Yeah, you want to try to take advantage of the fact that it's slow and sort of, t- you know, our boomer brains are, are never reacting quick enough nowadays. So you want to take advantage of the fact that it's slow and the breaking points are nice and long at Imola. And really try to re- pinpoint the car where you want it throughout the braking zone. So you can make, because you have ABS, you can make small corrections, make sure you open up the corner as much as you can before the entry and really try to find the apex. That That's uh, that's what you can enjoy by driving a slower car. With the F3, you point and shoot. You, you're you guessing where the braking point is. You're slamming on the brakes and you're just yeah. hoping you nailed it well enough so you can turn in with good speed. Yeah, you've kind of had to, you've decided as you go in 
and then you just you, you kind of see the result. You're I guess a passenger. But, yeah. Whereas yeah. <laughs> with this, you're making lots of micro decisions all the way through the corner. Ah, looking forward to it. Anyway, um, let's move on. I'm going to try and keep these episodes just a little shorter. So let's see if we can keep it to kind of 40, 45 minutes. But there's a couple of, do I do a question or do I do the Formula Vs? Quickly then, let's try and get them both in. The Formula Vs, you've been doing track guides for them. The uh, For iRacing, yes. Yeah. For their main channel. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, look at that flex. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, Dari, I need to zoom out on the camera. I can't fix, fit those guns yeah. you're flexing in. Big head. <laughs> <laughs> so the Formula V's been out now for several weeks, uh, about four or five weeks. A, what's the reaction been? Have you learned anything about the car? What's your overall impression of it still? Well, it's basically a Beetle, isn't it? A Beetle. Uh, it, yeah, it's like a... That's like a fifties or seventies beetle. Don't don't uh, catch me on that word, but uh, yeah, something like that. It's it's a terrible engine, terrible gearbox, and it's a great car. Ah, uh, it's just slow as all hell. And if you want to get into open wheelers and you want to understand the mythology behind it, that's the car to go to. Um, it's really great that they made it a rookie car because it's just perfect for that. Unlike the Skippy, don't shoot me, Skippy, you guys. Um, Skippy is very slidey. You don't really slide with uh, open wheelers, especially the high-speed ones. You're, you're on rails. And uh, with the V, you don't want to slide. You want to create situations where you're not sliding, you're not scrubbing the speed, and it's very easy to slide. So you learn how to adapt to that and really you know, mitigate that and find the speed within the limits. Yeah, and you really learn to use, use the tires for kind of speed control as well and use the front tires in the final phases of a corner so it's really good a good car to learn about understeer and oversteer the the only thing that i sort of don't like and that caught a lot of the rookies out when we had it as our fun race for the mistake back series is you you lift off in the wrong place and then the back end just goes around yeah and that's uh that's really good if you want to learn car control and steering with the throttle you know it's just it's a cliche at this point you gotta steer with the throttle what does that mean it means that if you lift you're gonna spin and that if you f- go flat out, you're going to understeer like crazy. You'll never make it through the corner. So maintaining that 20%, 30% into the corner just to get the right amount of rotation. You're, if you'll see the track that I made, I'm staying with the, sa- with the same angle with the wheel throughout a very long co- corner. And I'm just modulating the throttle to maintain my position on the track to stay on the, on the racing line. So the car wants to slide out. I'm going to push it a little bit further, the throttle. And uh, if it wants to understeer, then I'm going to lift a little bit more. That's just going to help, help maintain the car. It's a really good car to learn that you can go way faster than you initially think. So around Laguna Seca, initially there was like six braking zones. And then by the time you got to the end, you went, oh, you like just break that one time. Break on turn number one, that's it. Yeah, and you just go, oh, wow, I can go flat. And then the more confidence you get with it, the more you can go flat and you start using the tires and everything. Okay, so I'm glad you still like that. A final question then from Ollie. What would you do again? We can all answer this. What would you do again if you could start in iRacing from someone starting out their journey? This is Ollie starting out his journey. Uh, what apps would you have found earlier? What series do you wish you'd have started? So your rookie Dory, but with all your knowledge, where do you start your iRacing journey? Get a load cell and install IRFFB. I'm with you That's on the it. load cell. I'm with That's you. On everything the- else is pointless. Like everything else, like... Uh, I'm talking, uh, you know, get the best gear, get the highest refresh rate, get, you know, apps to tell you your iRigging and deltas and all that. Remove everything you can from the screen. You're a noob, accept that, 
And uh, yeah, really, and, and just concentrate on the next corner. Don't have uh, only have relatives on and put them somewhere aside where you, if you crash, you will be able to see them. But that's it. Don't use Delta. Don't use any other data. Don't uh, just focus on where you are on the track and, and, and use RFFB to get more direct force feedback, more accurate force feedback and a load cell. So you'll learn how to trail break better. That's yeah. it. Oh, I, that's interesting. I've load cells high up there for me, but I would have said go straight for like a T300 level wheel because that's what gives you the experience of the sim and makes it like super fun. And you go, oh, actually, I can feel the track and feel the curves. I think most things below that, you don't really get the full racing experience. I think that's kind of the crossover between video game and sim for me. Right. Well, uh, G29 can get the job done, though. Yeah. I mean, the bell-driven wheels, G29, G27s, they're cog-driven wheels. So there's no belt, and they... They, they don't have any flexibility. There's no tire feel. So with Bell Driven, you're starting to get that tire feel. Yes. So RFFB really improves that. So sure, don't get the absolute cheapest wheel. Get the one after that. And that's, that's if, if you can afford to, if you, if you can't, but you can afford, you know, a $200 set of pedals, get yourself some TLCM pedals, and that's going to be a bigger improvement. What would you yeah. do again, Matt? You, you get to start so, again. Scrub all the mistakes. Well, I like... Yori's approach very much and and that going for the load cell probably would have been probably would have helped. But but for me, I spend a lot of time trying to very rapidly get to a B license so that I could do the Le Mans 24 once we had restarted the Mist Apex League. And if I had it to do all over again, I think I would have instead of doing like lots of time trials and things like that to make sure I got my safety rating where it needed to be. I think I would have I think it would have been better to do just like lots of racing, period when I didn't really have to care at all about my I rating or my SR or anything else. No, that's interesting. Yeah. And I, I wonder whether I, I, I wonder whether I was right to just focus in fully on one car at a time, Dory, would you say to people, you know, focus on that series, make it yours and then move up. Cause that's the way I did it. No, 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 no. You want to improve as a driver. If you want to improve as a driver, you need different experiences. You want to build adaptability. So you want to drive as many different cars as you can afford to in terms of time and money. So I started out with the MX-5, but pretty quickly, I bought the, within a week, I think, I, I bought the Ferrari uh, GT3 when, when the old fixed Ferrari series was on. Mm. And then I bought the Skippy. And then I bought the F3. And then I bought some GT3s. And I did some endurance event. And then I bought a GTE. And then I bought an HPD. And all within a couple of months. Oh. And I was terrible. I was trash. But I, I, today, I can go in a car and within 20, 30 laps can be within half a second of top split pace. Yeah. Within 50 laps, obviously, I have some more experience now. I'll get there. But uh, I, I can be within pace pretty quickly because of that. Yeah, I was um, forgetting about the cost element of it because obviously we've been on it for a while and built up a library of tracks and cars and stuff. Um, when I was first starting out in iRacing, I really couldn't justify spending any money on it at all beyond the basic sub. So I came up with all justifications of why the MX-5 really was the series to be in. But really, <laughs> I was just skint and I didn't have the time to practice some more anyway. Uh, but like for, say, something like today, uh, I've told the guys to go out and get the Lamborghini to go and be part of the swarm. And someone's like, yeah, that's just, you know, it's a few pints in a pub. So for a, for a hobby, if you, if you turned up to the golf course, you know, most people don't blink twice at losing three golf balls, do they? And it's a—it's uh, not totally dissimilar. It's just persuading that your wife that that a video game's the same as a as a round of golf, or your husband, 
beg your pardon. Uh, right. Okay, good. So let's get out of here. That was fantastic. Thank you for your company, Dory. Uh, where can we find you? Dory underscore N on Twitter. And, and YouTube. 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 I'm that's not on Twitter. Why not? But yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me and everything else related to me. So You don't yeah. go on Twitter? How do you no, pretend you're better I'm, I'm than people? I'm an old man. Oh, okay. Um, Discord. I, I, I condescend I, on Discord. Okay. Fair enough. Trumpets. <laughs> uh, you are at MattPT55. Unless you're plugging anything in particular. Uh, the same old, same old for me. Go buy some books my wife wrote so I can buy more cars and iRacing. Excellent. And you can follow me as well. Um, I am at Spanners Ready. I forgot my name there for a second. And the show is at iRacing Podcast, even though that is a really good Twitter handle and it has been hacked twice. So someone keeps getting it and getting the password. So like, I've made the password like horrendously complicated now as well to try and counteract that but for now we are still at iRacing Podcast and until we see you next work hard be kind and have fun this was Missed Apex iRacing Podcast I'm going to be so rubbish in the GTs GT3s I can tell I'm going to be, <laughs> be super fine. I'm going to be terrible as long as I don't crash I can be slow and not crash then people can just be frustrated that they've done a marvellous stint, got themselves up to, like, third or whatever, and then Spanners goes in the car, and, like, we're last. But I've not crashed. <laughs> Guys, I kept it on track. Yeah, at, like, 20 seconds a lap slower. The trick is don't start the, the race. So yeah. by the time you'll get in the car, they're either going to wreck, like, 13 times, Yep. And you're, there's, there'll be no pressure on you or there won't be a car anymore. Yeah, so I can be so the one. I can, I can be the one that's like, hey, it's no problem. Don't worry, guys. Hey, no, I don't mind. You are absolutely <laughs> exactly. true. The start of the race and the end of the race. Like once you get to the last half hour of the race, it gets really dodgy because people start to get really anxious if they're in a close battle for positions. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.